1: Welcome to today's episode of The Black Sales Professional. I'm your host, James M. Fields. Now, before we get started in today's episode, I want to share some information with you guys. This episode is part of a two-part series. So the first part that we're going to go cover today are the three reasons for a lack of diversity in tech sales. And then on Wednesday... I'll be releasing the second part to this episode, in which case we address what can we do? How do we overcome the three reasons for the lack of diversity in in tech sales and grow and add more people into the tech market space for sales? So let's take a quick break. And when I come back, we'll definitely we'll go ahead and jump into the content today and start talking about three reasons for the lack of diversity in technology sales
2: now for the sponsors of our show today we have the mcdowell brothers Two young men, recent graduates of Homewood, Lostmore High School. What makes these two young men so special is the fact that they recorded their first album, entitled "Tribute to Inspiration," while attending Homewood, Lostmore in High School. You can find and listen to the rest of the album on the website, which is located at McDowell Brothers forward slash Releasing. McDowell Brothers, spelled M C D O W E L L Brothers, dot Bandcamp, dot com forward slash. Our other sponsor for today's show is JMF Financial Services, a local insurance agency that specializes in both group and individual health insurance products, disability insurance. Life insurance and other ancillary services or products, insurance products such as cancer, critical illness, accident, and hospital indemnity plans. You can also obtain travel insurance as well as international medical insurance from them. They can be reached by calling 708 781 That number is going code 708 781. And their website is www.jmf-financial.com Their website again is www.jmf-financial.com Now back to our show.
1: Welcome back. Okay, let's get started. Now, the first um, reason is fear. And what do you what do I mean by fear? I'm not you know immediately we may be thinking that uh fear being the stereotypes of uh of of white people being afraid of African Americans and people of color. And that's not necessary that's not really what I'm talking about when I speak about f- of of fear. When I'm speaking of fear, I'm talking about the fear associated with, uh, choosing to do something or, or, or being afraid of a negative outcome. And so let's talk a little bit more what I mean by that. And in order to, to, to give you a good, um, example, let's discuss what sales are about sales in general and sales. Remember from the first episode, sales is the fuel. It's the gas that makes the engine go. Right, so sales makes uh, funds everything when you look at a technology organization what are they trying to do if it's a new tech, high tech company the first thing that they want to do usually is generate enough sales to fund an IPO, get private equity, go public things of that nature so they're on a fast pace that's what they want to do they want to make money as fast as possible or, or I should say, grow their revenue as fast as possible so that they can get to the next level, which is either issuing an IPO or getting private equity funding. And in order to do that, they don't want a lot of roadblocks. They want people that can come in and sell right away. So sales in general fuels the whole organization. So if you if you don't think of it this way. If you're driving a car, you have your car and you don't have gas, have a lot of gasoline in your car. The car is not going to go as far uh, and and run as well as if it had a full tank of gas and always in, in great shape. So in the or- in, a, in a technology organization, the sales organization funds everything with everything. Re- Outside of, of course, the private equity that may fund may contribute to some of the uh, research and development within the company, but for the most part, your revenue, the sales that come in, that's what pays your salary, your commissions. It pays for the uh, your entire sales organization. It pays for the technical, the support and help desk, and it pays for all of the engineering and things of that nature for the, that the uh, technology company needs in marketing. So sales are, is very important. It's the only other way that they co- the company makes money, selling software, selling services, okay? Now, when you look at sales from that perspective, there's an old saying, people buy from people they like and they trust. So if people buy from people that they like and they trust, now, maybe you start to, you may be getting ready to start to see how maybe there may be some challenges, right? With regards to diversity and inclusion. Because when you're trying to sell, when you're, when you're sitting in that executive room, their, their job and what they're trying to accomplish is to obtain either the IPO, the private equity funding. In other words, get rich. That's what they want to do. And they want to sell as much of the solution as they possibly can so that they can build the value of the company up and maybe sell it off. Maybe go to the IP, go uh, raise their stock right prices or whatever the case may be, whatever their, the ultimate goal of that organization. If it's a new high tech company, if it's a, an older company that has been around, you know, they have what their goal, what their financial goals are that they want to achieve. And either way, at the end of the day, People buy from people that they like and that they trust. So now you may start to start seeing where I'm going when I talk about fear. And what I mean by going by fear is this. um, I started in the technology sales industry back in 1997. Simplex time recorder. I had a sales manager that was very progressive or liberal from Wisconsin Um, and so what he did was something pretty unique Um, he had two sales reps and one two black sales reps and one white sales rep Um, originally it was me and a white guy we started together then uh, we hired a friend of mine I I referred him in we then ended up going through a layoff, and what my manager had to do, he had to make a decision. He had to decide whether he was going to have two black guys as his sales team in Chicago, or if he was going to let my friend go, and because I was one of the top, I was producing, so he wasn't going to necessarily wasn't going to let me go, um, and then keep me and this other gentleman. And the reason I say it was a really it was an interesting decision is because back at that in that day. He was he was a pretty open guy and very candid. Me and him would talk. I would go out to to certain accounts and I'd come back and he would tell me. He said, "You know what? That account called me, and they said they wanted me to send somebody else because they didn't want to do business with you." And um, so I said, "Okay." Um, The first time it happened, I was like, "Okay, what are you gonna do?" And he says, "Well, I told them that that's not the way we do business. We have territories, and that's your territory, and that's who you're gonna you who they're gonna have to do business with." He says, I'm not going to make a I'm not going to make a decision and, and send somebody else to into your territory just because a customer doesn't want to doesn't is, is is telling me that they won't they want to do business with somebody else. And that was pretty it was progressive, or liberal at the time, because, you know, I mean, hey, if he was all about his quota. There was a high probability that that customer that called in that said that they wanted someone else wasn't may may not have done business with may have gone to a gone to do business with a competitor, and he probably could have said, "All right, you know what? I have this other guy that I'll send out there," and if he was more concerned with winning the business, and unfortunately, there are a lot of managers and a lot of organizations that have that view. It's more important for them to get the money than for them to do the morally or ethically correct thing which would be to tell the customer no that's not how we do business but when you're in sales you're the face of the company so you're when especially technology sales you are the first person that maybe that they've seen outside of maybe the sdr maybe on a on a on a zoom call or something of that nature but uh, on a virtual call conference call but for the but for the most part, you are the face of the company. You're who they're going to interact with on a, on a consistent basis. It's going to be you leading that team, that acquisition team, which may consist of you and a, and a sales engineer. And so the real question and concern or, or the dilemma that people have is, do we want Uh, The face of our company will or how will having an African-American or a person of color being the face of our company impact this our sales and will it. And does it give our competitor a competitive advantage? That's the quote unquote business dilemma. that I think that many executives and people find themselves in. And so it leads to unconscious and conscious bias. Unconscious bias in the fact that a person makes a decision to not hire an African-American out of the fear that maybe their white counterpart, the white customers may not buy from them. Conscious bias being that They do it on purpose. We do not want an African-American or a person of color in this position. Now, when you start looking at technology companies, um, I'll compare it to other industries, and I'm going to say that it's a higher level of sale. Or I should say they're selling to higher end companies. Um, When I compare and look at, say, for example, um, companies payroll companies for example and security companies they deal with small business and the reason i've come to the conclusion that it has to do with that a lot of the lack of diversity has to do with the fact that uh they that upper management may not be comfortable or feel that the customers would be willing to do business with someone of color is because of this. When I looked at ADP and I look at, say, uh, say an ADT or another company, a uh, security company, for example, one of the things that you'll, that, go, looking at the payroll industry in general, so it's not just ADP, I'll say paychecks as well, when you look at their sales force, their sales forces are aligned by territory, but both of those companies go to market via relationships so the sales reps in the small business arena for ADP and for paychecks are they get their business or drive their business from relationships they go out and they meet with the CPA local CPAs within the neighborhood they do go into the banks for new businesses that are opening up and sitting in the banks but still for the most part, their business is driven by relationships with CPAs giving them referrals. So when you look at the when you go and you look at the, the territories, you're gonna find more African Americans in, in those companies in the payroll companies that work with in the areas that there are predominant African with the
0: lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. American CPAs. Likewise, you're going to see Hispanics working in Hispanic communities with, with Hispanic CPAs, and Asian Americans doing the same thing. And then you'll have, have white represented reps that work across the board. But the main reason that they do that is, in my theory, is this. If if I'm trying to build a relationship with an African-American CPA and I'm competing against ABC Company over here, if my rep looks like that CPA and can relate to that CPA, there's a high probability that they'll do business with. On the other side of the coin, if my CPA, if the rep looks different from the CPA, there's, a, there's, there's that possibility that they may not click. That customer or that CPA may not feel comfortable doing business with people of color, and so they may not send, send business to that particular rep. And so I think a lot of the diversity and inclusion issues has to do with the the perception of senior management of whether or not their customers are going to do business with the person who's actually selling the system to them. And so you end up in these situations because, like I said, I had, you know, moving up, I had numerous situations. In 1997, in, in 1998, you have customers that are willing to call in and say, we don't want to do business with a, send us another rep. They don't want to do business with a black guy. And that was in Chicago. In 2003, I was the first African-American sales rep in major accounts for ADP. Now ADP has three divisions on the on the payroll main payroll outsourcing side. Small business deals with companies 1 to 50 employees. Well, back in the day, it was one to one hundred. Then major accounts 100 one hundred to a thousand, and national accounts a thousand and above. So your really large companies. Uh, and organizations are national accounts your mid market so you 're talking companies that make fifty seventy five hundred couple hundred million dollars are in that in that mid market space in two thousand and three until I walked in the door, Chicago had never had an african American, and what ended up happening once I started doing business and selling, it opened the door and other African-Americans came in. Now, mind you, not a whole lot. It seemed to mirror, I'm not saying that it didn't, but, I mean, it could have, it, it looked mighty close, like they had a quota, and that was what they were trying to stay within, but, at the, nevertheless, by having an African-American who had been successful, and being, and people buying from that African-American, they felt confident in, Um, In hiring other African-Americans. Now, they were very selective in what they did, but they were willing to hire an African-American. Now, what brought me to ADP was the reassurance. You know, uh, as I mentioned, you know, the sales executive told me, he said the reason that he hired me was because I had been beating them, that I had won, I had beaten his best sales manager and rep in a in a hundred thousand dollar opportunity, well, the thing about that opportunity was where it was located, and then his counterpart had contacted him and told him, "Hey, if you have an opportunity to hire him because he's beating us once again, it was the location in the area in which I was selling. I was winning in Northwest Indiana I was winning in an area south bend mishawaka and Elkhart. google it you'll know that very there's not a lot of uh let's put it this way um for an african-american to to win business in that area was uh not mind you i did business with liberal companies because there were some companies out there that literally they did not do business with me people would not shake my hand all of that good stuff um but the first company, the biggest one, the hundred thousand dollar one, um, Sears Star, was located in in Hammond, Indiana, Northwest Indiana. So was it Whiting? One of the two it was either Hammond or, or Whiting, right on the border. But nevertheless, it was in Northwest Indiana, and so that was the reassurance that the sales executive in Chicago needed. That me, as an African American, I could do business with other individuals that white people would buy from me and that was the reassurance that they needed let's take a few minutes and when i come back i'm going to address the second reason for a lack of diversity and that is something that we all hear and know and that is lack of experience i'm going to share some information about that welcome back so we just finished discussing the fear factor and what were the things that have to do with fear um Now we're going to look at lack of experience because that's an objection and it's an objection that we frequently hear um, for people that people of color um, and those individuals who have no sales experience trying to get into a uh, into a sales position is the objection, of course, of uh, a lack of experience. And so. I know that probably many of you out there are asking the question, well, if, if I don't have any experience and you're not willing to and someone's not willing to give me any experience, then how am I supposed to gain the experience that I need in order to get experience right? Well, the thing about the, the, the issue at hand with the objection of lack of experience, is this when you see an entry level position all entry level positions aren't the same so just because you see entry level doesn't necessarily equate to meaning first time job it may mean that the cus- the company that well I should say this it does mean that the company's lowest level posi- sales position we have certain requirements now when you're in sales uh, as I mentioned in the very first episode there's different types of sales jobs there's B2B and there's B2C so business to business and business to consumer business to consumer is considered a simple sales process and what I mean by a simple sales process, and even small business is considered a simple sales process because the decision maker is typically one individual if you're dealing with residential you're dealing with uh with the owner of that of that particular house or property um, or a couple, maybe a married couple or something of that nature so but you're dealing with people that at the end of the day they're you they're the owners of the actual property um or the rental uh, apartment or what have you. So if they make a bad decision, it is on them. Right? Well, and there's no other person really that they have to deal with. When you get into technology sales, however, Technology sales is a, is considered a, most of the time, a complex sale. Now, not all technology sales, for example, on the security side, it's not always uh, what I'd say complex, meaning having multiple buyers or multiple decision makers, but sometimes it does. Um, even in the small business arena, but most of the time you're dealing with an individual uh, business owner and the systems are not very complex. So therefore, it's a simple type of uh, sales process that you're going through. When you get to technology or software sales, now you are dealing with complexity. And the complexity that you're dealing with tends to be that there's more than one stakeholder in the decision. And you're selling Business to business when you're selling business to business, and there's multiple stock uh, stakeholders, and then you have to manage that particular sales process, and that particular sales process can be is considered complex. So, for example, if let's use the example of selling, um, say, HR payroll, and you're selling to a company maybe with 75 employees. Now, that's considered a small employer at 75 employees. But it's not a simple sale. It's a complex sale. And the reason it's a comp- complex sales process is because when you look at HR payroll for a 75-man company, you may have payroll that's under finance. So you have a, may have a payroll manager who reports to a controller. So that's on the financial arm, and then you may have an HR person who is separate, and reports maybe up to the director of uh, uh, director of operations or vice president of operations, and to the owner of the company. So, and then because it's software, you may have IT involved as well. So you may have an IT consultant or a CIO depending on the size of the actual revenue size of the organization. So when you have those three stakeholders, those three divid- three dep- separate departments involved and then you can end up having that can bring six people to the table that are that have a decision in, or have an input in the decision that's being made and as a salesperson you have to navigate that. And that's what makes the sale complex as you uh, take other examples where you may be selling a software application that you're selling where the um, the decision or the sponsor the executive sponsor is the vice president of sales however it impacts a lot a number of people and it and the system is running on the company's network so therefore it is going to impact IT so you have IT involved once again, you have multiple stakeholders, and therefore the the actual sales process is complex. Complex sales processes tend to uh, companies tend to need to have individuals who've net who've sold before, because then they understand how to. Well, sometimes they understand how to manage those different sales processes within the pro- within the sales process itself so you have a simple pro- sales process versus a complex sales process and now you take in and complicate things because going back to the beginning when you're dealing with technology companies you gotta you're gonna remember that technology companies are looking to to grow fast they're looking to for either revenue, uh, investments, IPO, uh, quick quick build and sell off. They have whatever. There's a number of different strategies that a to to make money that the owners of a technology companies may be be looking for, which will impact ultimately how they how they view their sales force and what they need from a sales perspective. Now. When you, t- when you look at the various sales uh, sales processes, let's just take a, uh, an example and com- do a comparison of two different industries. Let's compare the, they're both technology type of industries, but let's con- t- compare a residential se- uh, security system salesperson with that of a technology salesperson
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Residential person, as I mentioned to you, they're selling to one individual, they go or a household, and there's no real ramifications. That technology person selling to multiple people. Now, when you sell to a residential person, if there's a problem. Let's say I sell um, a, a, some, a video system to a homeowner and the system for some reason doesn't really meet what they want, but they made the decision and they bought it. Well, they have no one to blame. They have no one to hold, that they can hold them accountable except for themselves because they made the decision. When you're talking about complex sales and business to business, that is a much different animal especially when you're talking about technology or software sales, because you're selling an application that's designed to help a particular organization solve a problem or to enhance what they're doing in productivity. And if it doesn't do that, or if it causes problems, people can lose their job or be blackballed. So, for example, if I am... The sponsor of a particular solution. I want to make sure that the solution that I choose and the the money that I recommend that we that the that the organization spends is used in a good way, because it can be a I've literally seen it be a career and a job ending decision when people make bad decisions if they recommend uh, systems that have that uh, have bombed. Or failed in their implementations. You talk about people losing their jobs. They lose their jobs. And so. And. It becomes. And, and it's not just in small companies. I mean I've seen it. In large organizations. You know. Um, there is a, a. A large school district in Illinois. That implemented a software solution. And. It was extremely problematic, and as a result, there were a lot of issues um, and decisions and people making decisions to leave organizations as a result of that particular decision. Now, mind you, you're talking about millions of dollars being spent, but still, people lose their job or they lose the opportunity for advancement in an organization because of a bad decision when it comes down to to acquiring products or services. So people are very, very skittish when it comes down to that and they wanna make sure that the people that they're working with know exactly what they're talking about. So it makes things a lot more complex and risky. The other aspect is this, if I am a sales manager a hiring manager, I have a team and I have a budget that I have to hit or a quota that I'm responsible for and I'm compensated for. Now, if, depending on how that situation plays out, may determine whether or not I'm willing to take a risk on a person who has no experience versus someone who has experience. What do I mean by that? I have a team, let's say, of five people. Now, if my current team of five people, I'm, I'm sorry, four people, because I'm looking for to hire an individual. If the four other people are combined exceeding my budget. So for the year I'm making my numbers and historically my team has produced well. I may be more apt to take a risk because I know the four other individuals can pull the weight of the team now, on the other hand, if these four individuals are middle of the road players and they're they're hit or miss with their with regards to their quotas, then that can be problematic, and so I may not be willing to take a risk or may not be able to take a risk if i'm under plan i definitely can't i'm not going to be able to take a risk i need if i'm under my butt my budget i have to go out and i need to hire someone as fast as possible who i know can get ramped up as quickly as possible and generate revenue because the months are going by and i You know, and the longer I have that position available, the less likely I am to make my make my goals or my uh, financial budget for the year. So when I look at that, it comes down to risk. Right. So if I had if I have three candidates, candidate one has outside sales experience. But not software sales experience. Candidate two. Is an SDR, so they have inside prospecting experience. However, they do not have necessarily the actual sales experience. So managing the sales process. And then I have the third candidate, and the third candidate has is has no sales experience whatsoever and no prospecting capability. Now, when I look at the two candidates, the um, the two that necessarily don't have sales experience I'm going to to do this comparison if I have an SDR team internally that's producing uh, opportunities then truthfully the two candidates are, are are in the same probably in the same position because regardless I don't necessarily need them to be able to prospect because we have an SDR team that's generating opportunities okay now, that SDR that, that's applying does have an advantage because that SDR, I do know, if push come to shove, their pipeline is going to stay strong because they have the ability to generate in the prospect. This third candidate who has no sales experience whatsoever and has no prospecting capability experience, I don't know whether they can do either, either job well. So they're the highest risk of all three of the candidates. So, in order for that third candidate really to win or to get an opportunity, they're gonna have to. I'm either gonna have to have the other two candidates really struggle, and I'm really not capable, not really comfortable with them, or, like I said on the other side, if, say for example, the current candidate that has sales experience. They have sales experience, but it's kind of questionable it's shaky they they were some they they're kind of a middle of the road player sometimes they make their plan make a quota other times they they don't they don't have they haven't really made um they don't have any real sales awards or anything of that nature they' so they've never really been a someone who has exceeded their numbers uh, then that person. There's a risk, but the risk is not necessarily if I'm chasing my number and that's all I have, then they're the they are the least of the risky individuals for me to bet on in 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 obtaining, because I know that I need to get someone in that territory that I can get ramped up as fast as possible to generate revenue. Now, if my, if I'm at quota, now some some i should say this. Some sales managers will have that that viewpoint. Um, other sales managers may have, or hiring managers may may not view things that way. They may really look at the at the long game and say, "Well, let me really look and, and see this individual who has sales experience. They're not really a a player. They may be a really a, a B or a c player." But this individual, these other two individuals, one of them is the SDR, and and they're an A player as an SDR, maybe I'll give them an opportunity if I I have the ability, if I have the time and I have the, uh, and I'm not under the gun for making my numbers, that may be the situation which I go under. But for the most part, most of the time, the biggest objection is lack of experience. And the reason for them for them saying they have lack of, as the lack of experience is for that very same reason that I'm just mentioning. It is really risky, and you don't know where they are, in how long they've had to have that they've had that position available, and how what their situation is as far as the rest of the team is concerned. If they're struggling to meet their to meet their numbers, they want someone that can come in and go and and. And and get up and running really quickly. Matter of fact, if you're talking in the interview and they start saying that, then that's probably the situation that they're in. They're in a situation where they need to make their numbers, and the rest of the team may not all may not be pulling pulling enough to hit their to hit their numbers. So they need to bring someone in to help them get to that number. So they're looking for someone with more experience who can do that. So lack of experience, and the reason being because. Technology sales, software sales, is a complex sales process that you have to go through versus a simple sales process where you're dealing with one particular individual. So now, we've just covered the the first segment, which was fear. And what what is the fear? What's causing the fear behind... Making uh, a, ch- a decision to go with a, a person of color or, um, or something, uh, uh, a person of color or someone who doesn't have any sales experience and is a person of color. Then we just discussed lack of experience. And, and now, mind you, the being a person of color also enhances the risk. Because, once again, in the back of that hiring sales manager's mind, they may be asking themselves, based upon the territory that I have, the type of businesses that are in this territory, are they going to buy from this particular individual? Will this person have an issue with with selling? So that's one of the things that, why having some experience makes a person feel a little bit better and removes some of that risk. Because if you're black... And you have a track record of selling, then they have the ability. Then the cus. Then that particular hiring manager probably is going to feel a little bit more comfortable with you, and feeling that the customers, their customer base, may be more, may be receptive, and it may not be a hindrance of you not having in the when competing against the competitor, the competitors in that territory. Let's discuss the third and final reason for a lack of diversity in technology sales. And that comes down to financial risk. Now, in the second segment, I discussed a lack of experience and I, I used that as that was one of, that's one of the objections. And during the course of my uh, discussion, I mentioned risk. Well, on in this segment, this portion, I'm going to discuss the financial risk associated with hiring someone with no experience or with a lack of experience. And I'm going to 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 compare and contrast this. I'm going to use a comparison between the security industry security services industry, I'm sorry, uh, physical securities industry, and the technical sales. So selling of residential and small business um, security systems, intrusion alarms, video surveillance systems, in comparison to selling business software solutions, okay? The reason I'm using those two is because both of them are, say, entry-level positions, but I want to show you kind of the difference between as you're looking in and you're maybe evaluating uh, a career in sales, you need to kind of understand that there's a huge difference. You know, technology sales, as I mentioned to you, doesn't always, entry-level doesn't necessarily equal Um, First-time sales, whereas when and so when you look at say the physical security industry, residential and small business sales are first-time sales positions for people, and the base salary for those two for those for that um, industry tends to be a base salary of zero to twenty-four thousand dollars. So, and then there's industries in between it. For example, my first um, outside sales job was selling for Icon Office Solutions. So I sold black and white copiers. My base salary was $500 a month. That was my base salary. And then everything else was commission. Now, on the physical security side, why is it that that way? And the re- one of the reasons that you have a base salary of 0 all the way up to $24,000 is because in, some, in the cases where you have, say, a base salary maybe of $24,000 with some companies for small businesses because their small business, uh, they don't necessarily sell any residential and their sales cycles still, even though a small business can end up having a larger sale, larger, um, larger, longer sales cycles in some cases, um, they want to, in some way, shape or form get a higher caliber of employee with and, and reduce turnover so to speak in having in attracting someone and giving them a base salary of twenty four thousand dollars. It's showing somewhat level of commitment. Whereas on the other side of the coin we have no base salary whatsoever. Um really it is it's 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 eat what you kill. Right. It's a pure hunting type of uh, sales position. The risk to the company is very low uh, because at the end of the day, if you don't sell anything, then they don't owe you anything. But also on the other side of the coin for that is those type of sales are very quick. So on the residential side, it's a one call close. Typically you go, you meet with the meet with the family or the owner or the uh, person who's renting. Um, You explain to them the system, and you either sell the the customer, or you typically don't. So it kind of just depends on on what it is. So you get the business, it's a one-call close. Small business, same thing. Maybe a little bit longer than a one-call close. You may have to meet with them a couple times, but for the most part... It, it, when you're meeting with them, they're going to make pretty quick decisions as to whether or not they're going to move forward with you, and you're closing a lot of, um, of, of deals quickly. Whereas when you look and you move over into the technology sales, when you're dealing with software sales, the sales process is longer. So the sales cycle tends to be anywhere from, 90 to to uh, 180 days so the base salaries are different on the software side the i looked went and researched glassdoor and i looked to see what the sa- what's the base sal- minimum what's the salary range for for saas software providers right and what i found was that the average the the salary ranged for base salary of $45,000 to on the higher end of 60,000 for an entry level position. 60,000 was on the high 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 side because it was like only about 9% of the employer's pay or less than 9% pay uh, $60,000 base salary. But $46,000 was the average was the the low on the low side okay so now let's look at that physical security 0 to 24 software sales 46 to 60 okay now when we look at the software sales the comp plan now employers are known as kind of what their mix is right um Typically, you may see companies with say what's called a 3070 breakdown. So 30 percent of your total of your on target earnings is going to be say base salary in and that, in that model. 70 percent is at risk. so 30 seventy some are 4060, some are 5050, 50, some are 6040 and 7030. And so just really when it comes down to the to your to a sales position, you have to kind of talk and find out what type of employer are they? Are they a 7030 meaning 70% of your base salary of your total compensation is uh base salary and then commissions only are supposed to at at plan uh comprise 30% of your total compensation or the other way or or vice versa so for most software companies they're 30, 70 60, 40 for the sake of this this example we're going to use a comp. we're going to say this company has a has a starting as a on target earning an, ETE, an OTE of $80,000 and they're a 70, 30 employer so 30 30% is base salary 70% is going to be at risk commission bonus so 30% of $80,000 is roughly 24,000 a $24,000 base salary okay the balance of that or $56,000 is commission that's at risk okay so now when you the one thing one of the other things that differentiates a, a the um, the technology sales jobs from other sales is that they have what 's called a recoverable and a non recoverable draw so they give a draw because what they want to do is they're high they're, they they're kind of a high income type of organization and so they want to cash flow their sales representatives at a certain level. And it's actually a very, very um, interesting or very smart psychological thing that they do. And it's not just done by the software companies because actually the payroll companies do the same thing. What they do is they take your, they take what they want you to earn, what you're supposed to earn, and they, in the first three to six months, they give, they give that to you in what's called a draw. And there's two types of draws. There's a recoverable draw, and then there's a non-recoverable draw. A recoverable draw means that the company is going to recover what they pay you based upon the commissions that you sell. A non-recoverable draw is a draw in which you're not going to have to pay that back at all. So, you're not going to have to pay the recoverable draw, but you will have to pay the recoverable draw. Now, when they when you come and start within the the job, they give you typically a a, compl- a package or they what they'll do is they'll give you they'll say okay your base salary in this instance is twenty four thousand dollars and then they're going to give you maybe let's say they anticipate the the ramp up period to be three months so they're going to give you three months of let's say non Recoverable draw, so for the first three months, this is your training period you're going to get that recoverable draw then, after those three months, you're going to go to what's called a recoverable draw so basically you're they're anticipating you having sales now, and you're supposed to what you're going you're supposed to recover or sell and commission enough to cover and recoup the draw, so if they give you in this situation. Um the recoverable draw would be four uh four thousand six hundred and sixty seven dollars so they're anticipating each month you having enough commissions to make that be zero so you wouldn't have to owe you wouldn't owe anything to, to the company so if you sold and had your commissions of four thousand six hundred and sixty seven dollars then you would everything would be just uh, you would just be a hundred percent commit you'd get the commission on that now. If let's say you only sold $2,000, the balance, they would still pay you. They would pay you $4,667, but then you would just subtract the $2,000 from it, and you'd owe $2,667 in the next month that you have to recoup. Now, what makes this so risky is, let's say a person comes in with no experience whatsoever, and... As the hiring manager, I the person struggles, and so for the first six months, they don't sell; they sell very little to to nothing. Okay, that means the company. When you look at this financial model, at this, if I'm cash flowing a person at eighty thousand dollars, it means I'm on the hook for roughly around fifty two thousand dollars because for the first six months, I've got to pay the recoverable draw and the non-recoverable draw. So that's all gone for six months. And then I'm paying the base salary. Now the base salary is small, it's only $12,000. But the commission side that I'm paying you is on the, upper, on the higher end. So now that company is on the hook of a potential loss of 50, 000, over $50,000 and you haven't sold very, and you sold very little. So as you can see, you have the financial risk, a high financial risk. So obviously, they're going to want someone who can come in and sell within the first three months. Matter of fact, the goal is they want you to to, to sell as fast as possible. So if you can get in and start closing business in the first Um, month or two then that's great the faster they get to they get to generating quota right so financial having a finance the financial risk of hiring someone is high and so that is one of the other factors that tends to really truly lead to a to a, a lack of diversity in the in um in technology sales because company you know those hiring managers get a little bit edgy and they're not willing to take that risk on those in, on in, on people of color because once again hey i don't know if these people are going to buy from you and you may not and you and if you don't have any experience on top of it now my risk is really high and now i have a financial i'm, I'm i've i've qualified i've quantitatively put a number to what um, hiring someone without a, a lot of experience or no experience um, can can cost can cost me. OK, so in conclusion, as I said, there's three things that lead three reasons that lead to uh, why, I, why I believe that there's high diver, There's a lack of diversity in um, technology sales. And those three reasons are number one, fear. Number two, a lack of experience. And number three, by high financial risk. Now, in the following episode, I'm going to discuss, because it doesn't seem like it's that there's a way around this, right? But the reality is there is a roadmap to overcoming all of these objections. There's a roadmap to overcoming the fear. There's a roadmap to overcoming the lack of experience and a way of positioning yourself and the and minimizing the financial risk. And in the second episode, the next episode, episode five, I'm going to discuss with you and share with you that particular roadmap. So make sure that you don't, that if you haven't already signed up or subscribed, make sure that you subscribe to either iTunes to get this podcast speaker Or Spotify. Go ahead and do that so that make sure that you have access to the next episode that's coming, that'll be coming out on Wednesday of this week. Also, if you haven't by now, make sure that you go ahead and join the LinkedIn group Black Sales Professional, as well as visit us on our YouTube channel. Uh, black sales professional in which case we take our audio for the audio podcast and we're now making it we're adding video content to it so that you can see the the information not just hear it as you're driving in a car or sitting in front sitting at your table if you want you can pull up the YouTube channel and you can actually see the presentation Um, and the information that's being that's being spoken of uh, spoken about in the actual podcast now if you also make sure you reach out and dm us share this with other individuals and make sure that you comment and let us know how we're doing and as always until next time take care